Welcome to the Exarbon Mortgage Podcast, hosted by John Mortgage Major, powered by Verley. This is where we interview top mortgage, real estate professionals, industry insiders, operational managers, and thought leaders from around the nation, diving into hot current topics to help you experience your good life. Now, Rock, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, buddy. Thomas is the man if you're looking for an epic life you mind giving us a little snippet for those that haven't seen your eight minute you know video just who's rock yeah well you know rock started living on a farm with uh divorced parents or with my dad and i've learned that in life if you do it as difficult life is easy if you do it it's easy life is difficult and I wasn't given a lot of choice really at that stage because my parents, at least my father, I don't think he really wanted to have kids. So he just looked at his children as uh, free employees and he put us to work. And so I grew up on a farm trying to please my dad and trying to get his attention through the work vehicle. And, And by default, I developed a really good work habit. And then I started to become entrepreneurial and doing side jobs because the youngest of seven kids I never really, I got all the hand-me-downs. I got tired of hand-me-downs. I wanted something new. So I started to work for my own money to buy myself my own clothes. But invariable, without a lot of guidance, I made a lot of mistakes. I got in trouble and then I got, you know, my father on the wrong side of the whole deal. And that's why I decided to leave home at 17 and, and not have really any guidance. And then in my late 20s, after working hard and becoming a millionaire, I lost everything while I went through a divorce and I was taking care of my dad, who was in Australia. And I flew back and forth several times. And that caused me to lose my job. And so everything unraveled, John. And I ended up back on my mom's couch at the age of 30, $30,000 in debt, going, what now? And, um, and that's when I got into real estate. And the funny thing is I was terrible at real estate to begin with. I made one sale in the first year. And then I had a mentor who took me under his wing and showed me the ways and I made 32 sales the next year, then 45, 65, 99. And then I bought the company and I took it to uh, 275 agents, a billion dollars worth of sales. And I kind of retired in 2006, but you know, as you know, the story never ends, John, and it just transitioned into something different from that point on. So true. So, so true. Your hat, does that say no masters? M10 masters. M10 Masters. I even have my contacts in. (laughs) What's M10? So M10 is a group of millionaires that get together to live epic lives and to forge each other forward, sharing resources and doing cool trips and fun adventures. 97% of the population approximately in Western society struggles with their health, with their wealth, and with their relationships. And so I just realized that community is the thing that impacts me the most. So selfishly, you know, I collect cool people and then we give our (laughs) tribe a name and we hang out and we help each other live better lives. Wow. Yeah. I mean, somebody like yourself, I mean, the amount of adversity that you've gone through has made you, yeah, realize that there is no, (laughs) there's no, you know, inline, you know, there's no end in sight. It's a constant evolving process of being a better version of yourself. And, Kudos for you for not giving up. 
yeah, you know, I'm 59 years old. I have a lot of passion for a lot of things. We had a bunch of people here at the house. We played pickleball and um, I have yet to be beaten at that game. Uh, I put a pickleball in my own backyard. <clears throat> As you know, Jeff uh, has come up and played and attempted to defeat me. But I am a competitor and I'm a competitor because I like progress Progress makes me feel good. It makes me feel alive. And I think we're here as humans for progress, not just to survive. And so one of the things I'm passionate about is helping people decode how to get past themselves. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. And so how depressing is that? Or at least it makes you feel sad that here's these things you want to create and achieve and do. And you just can't get yourself up off the couch, make the phone call, uh, walk across and talk to somebody. And so I help a lot of people do that. And then I get a lot of satisfaction from that. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, it's so rewarding when you're able to, you know, help others program their mind, maybe shift it a little bit so that they, they do believe in that. I am mentality of you have the ability to change if you let yourself. And I think, so many people are, are scared. They're not willing to talk about it and share those feelings that are just so raw. And they just, unfortunately, got to get out. I mean, they just don't get out of their own way. And I've been there. <laughs> um, and it's, it's rough. I mean, it's dark. And it's, you know, you don't see the light. And in life, you do need a lighthouse. You need somebody to help shed extra light on you. You're special. You know, like rock, you're a, a ruggedly handsome human. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of transformation, the words that follow, I am follow you. And you know, you're a golfer. I'm a golfer. <clears throat> what we often ask each other as golfers is, Hey, what's your handicap? And so then people say, Oh, I'm a 12, I'm a 10, I'm an eight, whatever. And so we identify with that handicap and we, want to be congruent with it. If you tell me you're a, uh, a 10 handicap and then you go and shoot 68, I'm going to go, man, he's full of shit sandbagger. Right. right. Or if, if you shoot even way better than you're supposed to, you're going to be fearful about your integrity. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I can't believe I did that shot. I can't believe, I, you know, wow, I'm hitting it 300 yards. I used to never hit it more than 250. What's going on. There's a sense of a need to remain consistent with the way we describe ourselves. Mm. So we want to describe ourselves in the journey that I do with people is just a little bit outside of where we're at. So let's say you're a 12 handicap in golf or in life. Let's say you're, you make a hundred thousand dollars. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I, I am a 12.1. So you're talking, oh, I feel like you're you talking go. to me. <laughs> so let's say we'll use that as an example. Let's say you want to become a single digit golfer. You want to become a nine digit golfer. Well, it's easier for you to shoot for a nine than it is for a three. It's more believable for your nervous system. So maybe you start to tell yourself, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm getting better and better every day. And I feel like a nine, like it's really, I'm com I feel comfortable being a nine. Like I kind of like that. You know, I, as I say that to myself, I feel like I could shoot those scores and I could probably shoot some 39s and a couple of 39s. Yeah, that feels good. Mm -hmm. And so you start to romance the new identity until your brain starts to go, well, that's what it's supposed to do. Because you do it anyway, right? It's, you know, ah, I don't feel like brushing my teeth or flossing my teeth. I'll do it tomorrow. But three or four days before you go to the dentist, 
often we have enough leverage on ourselves to, I better get those back teeth. I know what she's going to say in the cleaning chair. Shit. You know, and brush so, your mind like you brush your teeth. Right. So try to set up, I try to set up my life in ways that I'm compelled to be a better version of myself and stretch. Uh, I just shot a 73 last week. And the reason I did is because I've been doing, right, this bump, let's go. Uh, I've been doing six months of spaced training at Golf Tech, where every week I go in and they evaluate my progress, they tweak it, and then I go back into the field. And I've just gotten better and better. You wouldn't recognize my swing if you saw me before. It's completely changed. My left arm is straighter. I'm getting through the ball better. But it took me many, many reps, John, many, many reps, mirror work, commitment to, to undo the past um, swing and to install the new one. And anytime anybody wants to change a habit, it's the same process. I believe you can achieve anything. You want to learn how to write with your left hand? You could do it. You just might have to spend an hour a day for three years. I don't know, but you could do it. So the biggest problem most people have, John, is they don't know what they want. They don't know what their dream is or they've given up on it. And so they're just getting through the day. And that's not a life of fulfillment. That's why so many people are feeding themselves and been watching Netflix because they're not they don't have a dream to run after, something that gets them up and excited, something you're going to push against. And so I do a course where I help people discover again what their dream is. And they spend three days hanging out, just going, okay, what do I want? What do I really want? What does that look like? What does it sound like? And then they leave with a plan and a map. And I tell you, it's one of the most important courses anybody could ever take. Most people don't do it ever in their life. How powerful. How powerful. I've yet to do it, but I will rock. Let's go back to a quote you just mentioned, romance, your future identity. Was that the verbiage you used? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Wow. Yeah, start thinking about the future you, whatever that is. You want to be a millionaire. Think about how would the millionaire or the 10, 10 millionaire, you know, John behave? What kind of decisions would he make? What kind of habits would he have? Who would he hang out with? What kind of investment decisions would he make? What would he fuel his body with? And you start to think of the, the higher version of yourself. If you believe and you want to grow and you want to get better, which I believe everybody does, they just don't have the right strategy or support. So they succumb to the masses. But that's what I do, right? I visualize any worthy opponent. Like there's this young guy that came up to play pickleball and he just so badly wants to beat me that you know, it forces me to get better. Now he's left. He's going to be back for another event in two months. Guess what I'm doing? I'm watching YouTube videos on pickleball. I'm practicing shots. I'm getting games with other people because I have a vision for when he comes back that he still has to chase me. That's my job as a mentor is to have other people chase me because I'm so hungry for life. They're like, well, if he can do it at 60 years old and kick my ass when I'm 32, mm -hmm. then that's motivation for me to get better. And so I feel I have a, a role and a responsibility as a human, as a mentor, or as a coach or trainer or author, whatever you want to call it, is to be the best version of myself to inspire other people. And so physically or mentally or my relationships or my golf game, um, I let it slide, John, for quite a while, uh, almost to the point of being embarrassed of the other way where I say, oh, I'm a 15, but then I shoot 98. I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. So I went to work. I went to work to do, you know, I say, if you're you got back on the train, 
Get back on the train, man. If you're willing to pay the price of practice in private, you can perform in public like a pro. Mm. That's seven P. Say that quickly. Three I times. love it. I love it. I love it. Because, um, oh, man, I'm excited to give you a run for your money when it comes to golf and pickleball. Because those are pickleballs replace squash in my world, which yes. is bitter, bittersweet. But pickleball is, the, the last I heard, the number one most growing sport in America. I, going up I think everywhere. so. And you know what? People come here and because I have it in my yard, we, they play it and they go, I'm going to take it up. It's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I get a good sweat, but I don't smash my knees by running, you know, across the entire tennis court. And it's, it's social. You can chit chat. Uh, there's skill involved. So it's really a pleasant game. It's, it's, you know, and people need ways to exercise that are fun mm-hmm. because otherwise most people don't like to exercise. Well, and speaking of fun, I don't think people, you know, you talk about programming your mind. We can't stop having fun. But it's easier to have fun if you, you do the difficult first. Like you mentioned, you do the difficult first. Everything else is easy. You have momentum, mind, body, and spirit. You're, you're becoming, you know, it's like you're, those reps to your future belief, something that you didn't think it was possible. That's why like vision boards. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have been do, doing vision boards as a little kid, you know, because you're, you're thinking about things that you want in your life. And if you continue to go after them with the tools and resources and systems to make that happen, anything's possible. So where do you believe vision comes from? What is your thought on that? Because that's a a debatable subject. Where do you think vision comes from? Yeah. Wow. That's a power. That's a great question. I've never been asked that before. Where does vision come from? Because, I mean, when you talk about, you know, MVP, mission, vision, and then the P, the purpose. When you yes. understand your why, and, you know, this probably leads into a nice conversation about um, knowing who you are and the people around you. And that disc test, which I had not taken it I had taken like the, the lighter version, but I've taken the right. deep one with my coach and we've gone through it with the fine tooth comb. And if anything, I need to reread the whole thing, but it really helps understand where your superpowers are. And if you know where your superpowers are and you know what makes you feel alive, you can then create a vision around what is it that makes me feel alive and why am I not doing that every single day of my life? Yeah, I agree. I also would add that I think there's moments in your life where you face a difficult situation. Let's say, I don't know. Can I, can I add a little note here? You mentioned 30, you moved in with your mom and three days from now, my, uh, our first son, Johnny would have been six years old, lost him at an age of 30. Wow. And how has that impacted you? Massively. What meaning do you give it today? Life. It's a reminder that life. Life is so damn precious. It can be taken away from you in seconds. Excuse me. And so how, 
I could not even imagine that. How do you move forward and celebrate life without feeling guilty? Do you know what I mean? You have to forgive yourself. Yeah. And you have to wake up every day and count your blessings. I mean, I, since then, you talk about not giving up. I didn't give up on my wife. I didn't give up on our marriage and our, our trust in one another. And we had a beautiful daughter that we still have. She's four and a half. But every day is a blessing with her. Quinn Rose Major <laughs> and Big Mike, Michael, Michael John Major, and he's two and a half. And I mean, Michael, we planned on having a, a boy and a girl. I mean, it could have been Johnny and Quinn right now, and Michael wouldn't have been born. And so you you find you find a way to reprogram like nothing is forever. And I happen to experience, you know, one of the shittiest things that can possibly happen as a human. And, you know, it's allowed me to realize I need to stop going through the motions and I need to live my best life for everyone else in my tribe. Yeah. And your kids are watching you, whether you like it or not. And they're going to repeat your emotional patterns, your investment patterns, your love patterns. And so <clears throat> I think that a lot of people, or some people maybe, they go, you know, I don't understand why my kids do this or that. I think if you really take a good, hard look in the mirror, you might actually know why. Mm. And it's a tough, tough conversation to have with people because it means absolute responsibility. Um, you know, my kids are doing, all three of them are doing pretty damn well. It doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. And there's, there's been gaps in my life when they didn't talk to me because they felt like my love was too harsh. But then I had to forgive myself because I was behaving like my dad and being a bit of a dick and judgmental and critical. And so <clears throat> then I did more work on myself and then I rekindled with them. And now I'm at a stage where I have an amazing relationship with all three. Talked so to me great. six months ago. That wasn't the case. But, you know, the, you just can never quit. You got to ask yourself. And if I could share one concept that's been very useful for me, John, um, it has to do with the meaning that we attach to things. And in and Victor Frankl's books, Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about the fact that everything is neutral until you and I show up, right? And so you can things can be good or bad or right or wrong or people are late or early or irresponsible, what have you. But we're always assigning meanings to things. Think of a time when you were waiting for somebody, they didn't show up on time. Some people get feel disrespected and other people are worried that they got into an accident. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. <clears throat> so here's what I do when I have an event that occurs to me that is beyond what I call the regular amount of electricity that is going through my body, right? All of a sudden you get a call and you're being sued. <laughs> you get a charge, you start to, adrenaline starts to run and you're now, when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. So now you gotta be careful. So I say to myself, is the meaning I'm assigning to this supporting me? Worrying that I'm going to lose $20,000 in this lawsuit and waste time and not be able to do the things I love. Is that supporting me right now? And often the, the question, the answer is no. 
So then I say to myself, the second question, what other meaning can I assign to this? What other meaning can I assign to this? And then it becomes a game because life is a game after all. We're making all the shit up anyway. So I'm like, well, what else could it mean? Well, it could mean that um, maybe I had bad karma and, and, and I did people wrong before and this is coming around. It could mean that it's possible. Maybe I'm going to learn something about this process that's going to serve me later in the future. Could be that. What else? Um, maybe it'll just melt away and never be anything. And I'm worrying for nothing. And this is just God testing me. Could be that. And so I go like a game to try to find the meaning that makes me a resourceful human being. And then I, I, if that doesn't work, I might ask, what's great about this? Well, you know what's great is I have a lawyer. You know what's great is I can't afford to pay this. You know what is great is in the scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. With all the stuff I have going on, 20 grand is not that big a deal. So let me not worry about it because my life is worth more than that. And if I can be joyful as I go through some outside force that has tried to knock me off my center and demonstrate to other people that I'm still going to love them, even though I got that stuff going on, that I'm a better version of myself, this is actually a gift for me to become a better person, more resourceful, more grounded, more spiritual. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I use those three questions to make sure that I'm not a victim to the circumstances in the world. And so if people are finding themselves feeling beaten up, like life is happening to them instead of for them, I would recommend those three questions. Is this supporting me? What other meaning can I assign to it? And what's great about this? And then be a great human, right? Tom Brady has a receiver get injured. He doesn't go whining back to his coach and go, well, I can't win now. Suck it up, buttercup. He goes, okay, next man in, next man up, let's go. He's bringing as much of him to the conversation as possible versus most people are looking for a reason to justify their failure. It's contro controlling the controllables. Controlling the controllables, which is the only thing you can control is your brain. That's it. So you might as well have a way to be resourceful, right? To be empowered. Athletes that get dis disappointed, argue with refs, line calls, they're, they're, they're trying to look for help because they don't believe that they have enough to win the game. So they start to complain. It's the same thing with people in life, John. Yeah, oh, mindset. Right. Competition opened up. Interest rates are going up. The government screwed me. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, people in my family are sick. Uh, I don't have time to, to make my calls. No, winners don't have that. They go like all the op the obstacle is the way. Right. If I have yeah. 10 obstacles in my way, I'm still going to break through. Nothing will stop me. And that's a mindset and a belief. Yeah. And that isn't always the easiest path, but that's what you have to do to get out of your comfort zone and continue to improve. And so back to what we talked about before, if you have a vision for what you want, you want an amazing life, you want to, you know, sing on stage, you want to do different things. And I recently got called out because one of my dreams is to coach a professional uh, team, whether it be hockey or, or football. And I was talking to a few people and they go, you don't seem committed. You don't seem like you really want You say it's a dream, but we don't hear it in your voice. And I go, you're actually right. Because at 59, I have now allowed myself to develop a limiting belief that I can't just walk on to, you know, 
the Patriots team and say, hey, I'm going to take over Bill Belichick's job. It's likely right. not going to happen. And I don't think I want to work for 15 years in high school and college to work my way up. So I've kind of given up on my dream. But somebody pointed out to me, well, what if you just didn't believe that part and you just went for it? I actually know people that that are players and coaches on professional teams say, hey, I'll show up as a water boy. Right, because just here's get me the in thing, the game. My son and my future son-in-law was playing uh, in the NHL and they're playing a game the other day. And I get these visions where I see plays happen before they happen. I don't know if you believe in any of that or, or what have you, but I went into overtime and my daughter and two daughters and I were praying for our team to win. And I got a vision that he was going to score at 545 in overtime over the right left pad under the left glove. Are you talking about the game last night? <clears throat> or when was this game played? Um, it's actually the minors. So it's, it, he's on the team, the farm team. Okay. It was played. It was actually played last night, um, but it's the farm team. So most people don't know about it. It's the guys that back up the, the big players, right? Sure. But anyway, um, sure enough, I tell my daughters, I have a vision that he's going to score at 545 in this location. And I explain it to them. And then we're, we're at a wedding and I explain it to everybody at the table because it's crystal clear to me. I feel like it's going to happen. I have no doubt. And sure enough, not at 545 at 9.32, he scores exactly the way I said. Nothing different. The same angle, the same side, the same shot in exactly the location. And I have witnesses to prove it. And I get these premonitions or sights when it, in a lot of different sports. I can see them line up for football and I go, it's going to go to the wide receiver. He's going to do a down, out, and down. Don't ask me how. So if I have that skill set, that should probably be pretty useful for some professional team. If I could harness it and get into the right room and share that with them, wouldn't you agree? Seems like a superpower to me. Yeah. So now I just have to believe in myself a little bit more. And it's not too late. No, not too late. Yeah. I mean, that's... Set, ready. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, boys. Come on. Come on. Well, that would fit your personality. I yeah. Know it would. Because, but... uh, I mean, you just do an incredible job of making people, yeah, just think about things that maybe they didn't quite feel was something in reach. And it's like, wow, no, I can too, you know. You bring that you out. You know what, people. John? Did you have parents encouraging you to play sports? Yeah. And what did you end up playing? Um, I played, man, I played about every sport growing up, but um, soccer was a sport that I ended up playing through college for four years. And it became more of a job mm -hmm. than something I truly enjoyed, you know, over the years. It, it, why why did you say that? passion for it went down. It's a great question. You know, I think you know, I just kind of lost. I just lost the the fuel to take on that sport any further. You know, it just, you know, I think there's chapters in life where, you know, you maximize. I happen to be really good at soccer. So I think that's what kind of pushed me there. But looking back, I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have spent more time, you know, playing racket sports or golf because my hand-eye coordination is pretty solid and I truly 
just love those games. And so, you know, not too late. I'm going to, so do you, do you think, do you think that people could maybe slip into that same thing in their jobs or their careers where they were good at it, they got rewarded for it. And then just went down that path and before they know it, they're an accountant or they're a lawyer or they're an engineer. And they're like, I don't really love this anymore. How did I end up down here? And then they kind of get stuck. Do you think that happens? All the time, all the time. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, because when you do, when you get, when you get, you know, get married and have kids, the amount of responsibility and the bills don't stop. And so, you know, they get that security, you know, that salary, the corporate companies telling them what they're worth. And then they start have self-limiting beliefs that they got here because of the company, not because of the person they can still become. And I just, I think it's so sad because people have superpowers that they don't even know exist in there. And they almost need somebody to just help them, you know, going back to the reprogramming, everyone has the ability to reprogram everyone. hundred percent. And again, we go back to, if you don't have a strong vision for what you want, mm-hmm. rarely will that happen. But often it comes out of a pain that was born, whether it's Oprah raped, you know, as a young child, and she wanted to show the world that there's a better way to live a full life. Or Michael Jordan didn't make his high school varsity basketball team. And he wanted yeah, there to prove could have been the victims. world. Right. And so, so people I often say is like, I'm lucky I had adversity come my way because I built a muscle called defying the odds. Mm. If people don't have difficulty in their life, some moment, you know, like you had an incredible difficult emotional family situation that you have a resilience emotionally there that is not available for many humans on the planet, at least consciously, right? And so you can empathize with other people that are in a similar situation way better than I could because you've been there emotionally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that hopefully you can use as a gift to give other people so they can get you. The reason I'm a good coach at, say, sports or what have you, like we played again pickleball here, and we had a guy my age, not in as good shape as me, and he was struggling. But I was encouraging him every shot that he did well. I found a way to affirm him. I gave him a nickname called the wall to build up his identity so that he could tack the ball. And then every time he missed, I'm like, yeah, I would have probably missed that shot too. That was difficult. And I started to buoy him up. And that's what I'm good at. Why? Because I wished my father did it for me. And he never did. I know what it's like to not have somebody encourage you when you want to be seen. Young children don't have a problem, right? Young children are like, hey, mommy, mommy, look, 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 daddy, daddy, look, look, look. And they grab you and they pull you, look, 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 I'm going to, you know, lick an ice cream. And you're like, okay. But as adults, we thrive through support, encouragement, and challenge. And so I think if you're going to lead an epic life, be grateful for the adversity you've had and decide that you're going to learn and you're going to rebound and dominate from it. Don't let it be like a bag of bricks in a knapsack you carry around for the rest of your life. Decide you're going to benefit and learn from it. Cash in on it. Cash in on your pain. 
by becoming better, by serving other people. That's why I help people become whole life millionaires, John. All right, I've helped hundreds of people get out of the freaking rat race in that job they hate. You'd be amazed. I've helped many lawyers, doctors, engineers, pilots who spent a decade and hundreds of thousands of dollars getting their education only to find out they hate their life. And then I help them find a new direction because there's so many things you can do today. You can be a podcaster. You can be a YouTuber. You can sell products online. You can do it from anywhere. You can manage Airbnbs, as you know, from a distance on your phone while your feet are in the sand in Mexico. You're checking somebody into your place in Scottsdale. And so all those things are available, but most people don't know. And so I'm an advocate for, yeah, for living an epic life, for yes, for having you stretch your identity from a 12 handicap to a nine handicap and enjoying the process along the way, for losing weight and being in the best shape of your life so that you're a great role model for your children and your children, then it's easier for them to be light and free and nimble so they can focus on other things like dominating and winning the money game and having great relationships. There's no end to the need for us to push each other to be better humans. It's real life right there. So I've just accumulated a, a toolbox, John, over the years. And I truly believe when I, when I meet somebody and they start and I ask them, what do you want? You know, what are you excited about? What are you passionate about? I truly believe I can pour into and add value to everybody. It might be just be recommend them a book, which I've read so many. It could be to suggest to go to an event, maybe try a different perspective. How about this? What about that? But my goal usually when I connect with people is how do we grow together? How do we have fun, grow, and how can I add value to this person's life? And that makes me feel alive and I enjoy it. Fun, grow, value. Rock, Thomas, you're the man, you're the man. And by the way, you, you know this, but for the people listening is draw on a piece of paper or a circle and put the word you in it, you know, or your name. And then the next circle around that might be your parents. <clears throat> and the next circle around that might be your brothers and sisters, siblings and friends and neighbors. And another circle is going to be your teachers, parents, coaches, what have you. Um, then another circle is your, you know, your town, your state, your country, and look at all of the things that are trying to penetrate and influence you. Is your country trying to influence you to think a certain way? Democrat, Republican. Yeah, they are. They're campaigning. Is the media? Yes. Is CNBC? Yes. Is your local church? Yes. Everybody's trying to impregnate you to get you to agree with their views of the world. And so which one's right? It doesn't matter. All that matters is what you let penetrate you because that's what you're going to live out. And so you got to stand guard at the door of your mind. Otherwise, somebody's just going to come in and go, hey, you know what? You need to eat three meals a day or you're going to die. And now we find out people are doing a lot of what? Intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, yeah. Oh, what a concept. You ever thought I thought breakfast that? was the most important meal. Exactly. <laughs> My whole life. So what, ha- what other lies are we consuming to meet somebody else's agenda? 
The reason they said that breakfast is the most important meal is because they wanted to sell milk and eggs. So they made it up, right? Breakfast is just breaking the fast. And you can break the fast at one o'clock in the afternoon, just as well as you can at eight o'clock in the morning. So I have become a seeker like you, John, is what is the best possible way for me to live and navigate through this life? And so that's why I have taken a new circle of all those circles and it's called the Mastermind Alliance. And I just keep on putting people like yourself and Jeff into those circles because I want you, I choose you to influence me. I don't choose randomly to be influenced. Mm, I choose right to be intentional. Elon Musk or whoever it is that I admire, respect. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. I'm just saying choose what's right for you. Maybe you want to have you know your entire church and all those people and you spend lots of time with them because that works for you. Just do it intentionally. Because the masses struggle, as we talked about before. 95% of people are struggling financially with their health and in their relationships. So why would you want those people randomly? It always cracks me up when you like become best friends with your neighbor. Just because you see them every once in a while, you start doing barbecues with them and you don't necessarily like them that much. They don't add value to your life, but it's convenient, easy. And you just fall into, well, we live in this neighborhood. I guess we better know our neighbors. Doesn't mean that you need to spend time with them if they don't add value to your life and light you up. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of, you know, it's like, you know, knowing your numbers. If you don't, you know, random, when you're shooting from the hip, it's random. It's random results. It's a random life. When, you know, if you took a step back and audit who you are, what you represent, and then you can align with the right people, that's what allows you to level up and live a full, fulfilling life. Yeah, and if anybody struggles from procrastination, I have a little tip for them, is just say yes and figure it out. Figure it out, yeah. And the reason that people hesitate is because they don't want to get hurt, but they also have a habit of, you know, hesitating. And then before they know it, that becomes the norm. And so I say to people, when you know what you want, you go to the restaurant and let's say you're um, the type of person that really likes meat and somebody says, would you like a steak? You probably say, yes, it's easy because you know what you want. But if you don't imagine you say to the waiter, you know what? I don't know what I want. Just bring me something. That would be weird, right? Well, it's the same thing with the universe. When you can clearly describe to the universe what you want, you have a much better chance of the universe supporting you and sending you resources and people and you paying attention for that. And so get clear on what you want, ask the universe for help, and then watch it be easier for you and get into a flow state versus into a state of having to do everything and all the heavy lifting yourself. Mm. Well, it's part of the four agreements. I mean, you can't make any assumptions. You can't assume people know what's going on in your life. You got to tell them what you want. Yes. Something I didn't, I wish I would have understood sooner, but that's part of the journey. Right. So, you know, you mentioned the circles. I couldn't agree more. Agree more. I mean, create a you wall. The, The amount of influence, like you mentioned, you know, everyone else is trying to 
control who you are. And that's what's so freeing is like, you don't have to be who your dad wanted you to be or your mom or your sister or your, your wife, like be the best version of you for yourself. Believe in yourself first. Like that's really, really important for people to recognize and understand. And I think people are not intentional enough about that on a day-to-day basis to then create an abundant lifestyle because they're playing from behind and they feel like they're playing so far behind that they don't even have a chance and they've given up on their dreams. And it's sad. And I feel like, you know, personally, I owe it to the world to continue to be a better version of myself so I can help more people in my tribe or more people that want to be in my tribe be the best person they can be with the given time they have. Yeah, 100%. And so you're living rises all ships, you know, so wherever you're going to be, the tide rises all ships. Mm. So we just tend to be like the people around us. You know, it's just, it's, we want to connect. We want to belong. So if you're not careful before, you know, it, you're just going to be like the people around you. Show me, you know, show me your, your friends. that can show you your future. Yeah. They say it the top five. Yeah. It's uh, you know, like I'm sure anybody who's listening to this and thinking about their own life, you know, there's always moments where it's like, man, if I wouldn't have hung out with that individual for that amount of time, I probably wouldn't have done this or that. I mean, we get influenced. It's I mean, everyone does, whether you recognize it or not. So it's uh, it's definitely something you gotta gotta pay attention to because it is. I mean, it's easy to get off the train. Yeah, it is so easy to get off the train, and I get off the train, and it pisses me off. But it's like, okay, let's get back on. Can I give a gift to your listeners? Please. So if they go to rockthomas.com forward slash free book, they'll get my book, um, Your Epic Life Blueprint. And in that book, uh, yeah, that's the planner. Nice. So um, in that book, I talk about the 10 rules of success. And this came from me coaching people uh, for years. I kept on saying the same thing over and over again. So I summarized it into 10 concepts, what I call rules. When you break these rules, you're slowing your progress towards success. And when you follow them, you're accelerating it. And so I put them into a book. and uh, They can go check that out if uh, they're interested in having success at a faster pace than they're currently having. Thank you so much, Rock. Thank you so much. That's the thing is like, think, you know, your, your future can change, but you have to change. You have to allow yourself to change. And this kind of stuff that you're, you're doing is extremely powerful. If people allow it to be powerful. (laughs) Yeah, it works. Trust me, it works. And you got to work it, but it works. And it's very satisfying and gratifying. You know, I went back to Montreal last week, John, where I grew up, and I hadn't seen my 
brother for about a decade. We had a falling out. And part of the work I'm doing is to heal some of my past relationships and to forgive myself and forgive others. Mm. And so I reached out to him and um, it was a little awkward at first, but he did agree to meet. And we ended up meeting at a, at a little restaurant, like a Starbucks kind of thing. And <clears throat> I want to say the last time I saw him would have been 2011. So that's 11 years. He's two years older than me. But he, you know, he looked... 10 years older than me and he has trouble walking he can't walk 18 holes anymore uh, he has to take a cart and um and you know i play sometimes 36 in a day and i can carry my bag and so often i will carry a bag and sometimes play on my own and read a book while i'm walking down the middle of the fairway um i've learned how to hack so many things in life that i forgot how advanced i've become compared to people that you know, and he stayed his entire life, John, in the town we grew up in. Mm. So you, you remember the circles I talked about? Yeah. He doesn't have a circle called Indonesia. He doesn't have a circle called, you know, Europe. He doesn't have a circle called the United States or Texas or California or being on Celebrity Apprentice like me or flying in private jets with my friends or playing golf in Cabo. He doesn't have all those. He has the ones that have influenced him. And guess what? When you just stay in that place, you have to be careful that your world doesn't shrink, mm. right? And you're from a small, small-ish town, Omaha. If you just stay in Omaha, you will be a different person than if you start traveling the world and meeting different people and going to different events and listening to different perspectives. And so we were talking and I, I found myself, you know, um, downplaying some of my success. He's asking me for an update. I downplayed a bunch of my success because why? Why do you think I did that? Downplayed it? Yeah. To not make him feel bad? Exactly. Even though growing up, you know, he was one of the person, individuals that, you know, bullied me and challenged me and, 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 and made me feel unimportant. He was one of the ones where as I was going through my 20s, I'm like, I will show him. One day I will show him how successful I am and I will rub it in his face, right? But there's no joy in that. And, you know, he, he taught, he's a beautiful person. He's a very funny person, but he talked like a person who's had exposure to very little compared to mm. me. Doesn't make me a better person. I say this simply that if we don't choose the circles of influence, literally that I talked about in that drawing, if you don't choose them, you can't be something that you're not exposed to. Right? So he's still running a small town mentality, scarcity mindset. And I have more of a world mentality, right? I've walked on fire with Tony Robbins. I've, you know, I often ask people, what's the toughest thing you've done? And then somebody asked me and I have a long list of them, but one of them was at the age of 14, 15, I picked tobacco in Southern Ontario, uh, 40 day, 42 days in a row without a day off, 12 to 16 hours a day of physical labor for 42 days. What does that do for somebody like me? I got to work four days in a row, 20 hours a day. I'm like, that's easy. 
So I was really, I, and why did I do it? I wanted to get my pilot's license. So I looked up a way that makes a lot of money in a short period of time. Tobacco picking popped up and then I went and did it. Came back, took all my money and then got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. All on my own, paid by myself, sometimes hitchhiked to the airport. And because I was so enthusiastic about learning from my, my teacher, he offered to sell me 10% of the plane so my flying lessons would be less expensive. So at the age of 15, I own 10% of a private plane. Wow. So, so anything's possible, right? There's so much we can do. When I hear people like, oh, you know, it's sorry, it's 7.30 at night, I'm tired. Uh, can I get to it next week? I'm like, yeah, sure, you can. You think Elon Musk is saying that? I don't think so. So yeah, I live in a beautiful home you've been here i have a home in la i have a home in bali i have a home in canada i don't say that to impress anybody to show off i say it's because i'm a little farm boy in canada that was hungry and so if Blue. you're if you're hungry coachable and you get around somebody like me i guarantee you things are going to accelerate and i 100 believe that Yeah, that story about your your brother. Um, yeah, I mean, just you know, people's vantage point on life. If you're not willing to open up your eyes and see what's possible, it's just fear, John. It's just fear. It's conditioned fear, and then you get stuck in that rut mm. of you know, hey, who am I to like? I just recently got a place in Los Angeles and then went to uh, an opening of a dispensary. Um, and I hung out with Bill Maher and with uh, Woody Harrelson uh, at a, in a you know, private room. And I took a ride in a $975,000 Rolls Royce uh, Phantom extension uh, with a Bitcoin billionaire. And I'm thinking to myself, this is surreal. These are people I see on the movie screen that I've been in awe of my whole life. And then I meet them and they're just people, you know? And I just start to realize I have idolized those people, put them up on a pedestal and made myself less than when they've just done something in an industry that is seen more than the plumber or the pilot. And so I made it bigger than it was. And so I'm like, before Los Angeles, even just the thought of owning a home in Los Angeles was intimidating to me. Now it's becoming my new normal. Wow. Yeah, so the real humans. Yeah. You just got really, the biggest thing I wish for people to be able to access, John, is if you are courageous, so many wonderful things are going to bestow you. You've got to just access that courage. And that's why I say, say yes and figure it out later. You'll grow your wings on the way down. You'll, you'll learn. There's no winning and losing. There's winning and learning. Get in the game. Stop being up in the, in the, you know, in the stands watching other people's lives. Paralyzes people. Yeah. Put yourself in the field. Get dirty. Have some success. Get some sloppy success if you need to. Whatever the case may be. Hang around a sexy guy like John. He'll fire you up. You know, do what Let's you go. need to do. Say yes and figure it out later. I think that, uh, I think that's it right there. I mean, 
people take anything from it, say yes, figure it out later. You got to keep failing forward fast. Yep. And the most successful people have failed more than anybody else because they keep shooting the ball. And the funny thing is that, you know, we, we have words we like and words we don't like. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're saying it fail forward, fail faster. I say, take action, get the results you want or learn. There actually is no failure. The only way I can fail is if I quit. Mm -hmm. And right now I've quit on my own dream to be a coach at a high professional level, but I'm rekindling that it's going to take now I got to, I got to romance my new identity because I'm a little bit afraid of now, if I declare I'm going to do this and I don't, then I'm going to have shame and, and embarrassment. So now I've got to start to rewire myself. And so I'm excited about that, but I'm also a little bit afraid. Yeah. Are you going to do it? Are you going to be a professional coach? God, I know. Like, I, I wish I could say yes. I feel like now I'm, I'm like the people I coach. I'm like, mm, well, let me think about it. Let me get back to you. So I'm just really being sincere with you. I'm a, I'm a bit afraid, John, to, yeah. to commit to it 100%. What a friend. So I'm going to be just like the people I coach. I'm like, give me a, a chance to figure out a way to not fail. And you think you're afraid because you're 59? I think I'm afraid because I haven't, I've settled, I have a great life, but I've settled to not go for the thing that I think would light me up the most. And so I feel a little bit of shame around having given up on my dream. And so now to go back and dream again requires that I, I know that the path might be fraught with a lot of no's. And I'm, I guess my nervous system is not 100% committed to push through that. And that's the part I have to, I have to sit with myself and I have to say, okay, if that is going to be the path, are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to stand for yourself? And that's, I mean, this is just fresh from yesterday's conversation. Yeah. So I'm, you're getting me raw. Right, right, right. Well, it goes back to the, what you mentioned about vision. You know, how you envision that, you know, painting yourself a picture of that becomes that realization of what you believe it looks like. And maybe I'm just like some people when you say, hey, you want to become a millionaire and their brain is thinking, I do, but I don't know if I want to make the sacrifices uh, against my family or all those things to get there. And I have this, a bit of that playing in my head too is. You know, if I got to start as a water boy and work my way up, can I do it? Yes. But it might mean not seeing my family. It might mean not seeing my wife very much. Am I willing? Do I want it that right. badly? Is it, so is it worth it? That That is I'm allowing that maybe to take me out to protect me. Mm -hmm. Or so that's the part that I'm, I'm going to meditate on. And I'm going to, you know, at some point in time, have to make a decision. Right. So well, time's tuned. our greatest asset. And you'll know rock will know. Yeah. I mean, meditation, things like that. That's what puts you into a state where you can really feel at peace with the decision you make. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all have our own journey and your, your journey has been beautiful to, you know, see in the short period of time. I've been a part of your, your tribe. Um, and I think it's just a reminder for everybody to, 
yeah, keep shooting the ball, continue to learn. Like you mentioned, you know, provide value, have fun, love on your people, be the best you, you can be. So rock. Thank you so much for joining me for the last hour. An absolute honor. Period. Appreciate it, buddy. Excellent. Nice chatting with you. Yep. You're the man until next time. Hey, I am going to come down and beat you at pickleball and golf too. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye.